Well, good morning. Welcome to Apostles. I'm Lead Pastor David Cumbie. Thank you so much for worshiping with us online, especially if today is your first day. You know, we've been talking together about prayer, asking Jesus if he'll teach us how to pray. And I do think that's the starting point for all of us. Uh, I think so often we, we feel like we don't know exactly what to say or, or how to pray. I think most of us feel like we don't pray enough. And so especially in these difficult times, we really want to come to Jesus and say, would you help us become a people of prayer? Would you fan the flame of our passion for prayer? And so we ask again today, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? In Luke 11, Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Here at the heart of Jesus' prayer is the simple request, just asking God for his help. Jesus said, When you pray, pray to the Father, the Father who loves you intimately and personally. He says, when you pray, pray to God Almighty, who's holy and who's worthy of our worship. He says, when you pray, pray that his kingdom would come both in the world and in our lives. And then Jesus says, pray for your lunch. He he literally says, pray today and pray for bread. It's unexpected what Jesus does here. It's like going from 30,000 foot view to bam on the ground in one second. It's a total shift from the sacred to the mundane, from the spiritual and eternal that gets pressed right up against the physical and the temporal. Jesus says, when you pray, say, give us each day our daily bread. And so what does this teach us about prayer? The first thing I think it teaches us is that God loves small prayers. He loves it when we pray what we think of as small prayers. Until now, Jesus' prayer has focused on on God and his greatness. And then it shifts to our human need. And I think that is a really important thing to note. It it matters because the starting point for Jesus in prayer is, is God the Father. He teaches us something very profound and important. To know who we really are and what we need to ask for, we actually have to know who God is and what he desires. And so as Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, we're to seek first God and his kingdom. And this first step of worship and of adoration, I think it gives us a posture in prayer. It helps us remember that we, we actually get to come to the God of the universe and ask for what we need. As one pastor said, because God is so great then, there is nothing that is too small for him. And I think sometimes that's really hard for us to actually grasp. A friend of mine recently took a new job and it was a big step up for him. And as a part of that job, he got a personal assistant. And so he went from doing everything on his own, managing all his kind of daily tasks himself to having someone who took care of his schedule and and organized those tasks for him. And in our world, the more important you become, the less attention you have to give the small things. That's because we as human beings have limited capacity. We're finite creatures. That makes sense. We can't do it all. And I think sometimes we think about God that way, that that's how God actually works. Because he's so big, 
He's not actually interested in the small things of our life. Pete Gregg uh, tells this great story about small prayer to a great God. He says he and some friends went out on a boat in the Adriatic Sea and they were having dinner when all of a sudden this swarm of mosquitoes came out of nowhere and attacked them. And he says at that point, his friend stood up and put his hand up in there, almost like Moses parting the Red Sea. And he just began to pray. He says he prayed something like, Father, thank you so much for your love for us. We, we just ask now in the name of Jesus that you would just take these mosquitoes away. We just pray against a spirit of midginess on the boat, he said. And Greg, just sitting there beside himself, has internally, he was just thinking, this is a ridiculous prayer. He says, this is a ridiculous prayer because surely God has more important things to think about in the world, like terrorism and famine and Brexit. Ridiculous because a Christian doesn't get a pass from the natural order of things. Mosquitoes are just part of the world we live in. Get some repellent and get on with it. Ridiculous, he says, because these kinds of silly prayers make God look bad and they actually erode people's faith. And so he says internally, he was sitting there processing all of this um, when the worst possible thing happened. He says, as soon as his friend said, amen, this wind came out of nowhere, blew all the mosquitoes away. And he says, no doubt to some less prayerful yacht nearby. And then Greg says, in all honesty, the first thing he felt was anger. He says, I felt angry because my heart had been broken for big things in my life. Things that I've been on my knees pleading with God for and all seemingly to no avail. So why would God answer this prayer? He goes on to say that since then, he's learned that our prayer life is at its best, not when we pray big prayers occasionally, but when we pray small prayers continually. When we only pray for big things, the chances are we'll see very few miracles in our life. When we only pray for the big things, the Chances are we're gonna miss out on God's presence and his power in the midst of the everyday. When we only pray for the big things, we buy into the lie that we only need God for some things and not for everything. When we pray only for the big things, we feed an illusion of self-control and self-sufficiency. But God loves it when we come to him and we pray, even about the smallest things. Jesus actually says that our father and heaven knows what we need before we even ask it. So just think about what that means. Before you ever ask for anything, God has already thought about you, not someone else, not in some generic sense, but about you and what you specifically need down to the smallest things, the clothes you need, the food, the money, the unexpected phone call you need from a friend, the, the few moments of peace and quiet before the kids wake up this morning. God the Father, he knows exactly what you need right now. So when we take up the habit of praying for even the smallest things, it does something over time in our relationship with our Father. It does something to our hearts and to our faith. It's like drops in a bucket that over time creates this reservoir of faith that can sustain us, even, even in difficult seasons, like what we're going through right now. But more than that, I think it builds up our confidence to pray 
when big things come up in our life. And so our, our heavenly father, he loves it when we pray for even the smallest things. I think a second thing Jesus wants to teach us here about prayer is that God loves specific prayers. Jesus says, when you pray, say, give us each day our daily bread. It's not a general prayer for food or provision. It's a specific prayer in a specific moment for a specific need. So why does Jesus say we should pray this way? I think in part, it's because when we pray specifically, we can have specific prayers answered. In other words, we can experience God's work in our lives in a really powerful way. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with kind of general prayers. I mean, God bless my family, God provide for my neighbor, God heal the sick. But I think if we only pray generally, we miss something. We cut ourselves off from our experience of God in the specifics of our lives. As my friend Sam Ferguson said, specific prayers actually turn the present into a theater of God's activity. And I think often we, we miss on what God's doing right around us because we keep our prayers so vague. I remember when Langley and I were praying about moving to Houston, we made a list of some specific things we were gonna pray, some specific questions that we wanted God to answer. And there's a lot of things that we could have asked, but one of them was that we wanted God to answer this question. Lord, give us a heart for these people if this is where you're calling us. Give us a heart for the people of apostles if this is where you're calling us. And we came and did a four-day visit. And by the time we left, we had such a heart for these people, for this church family. And over the last three years, that heart has only grown for this family and for our neighbors here in Houston. And so I think when you ask specifically and God answers specifically, it, it's so powerful in your life in terms of how it affects your faith. You know, at different seasons in my life, I've been able to, to just write down prayer requests and then go back and, and write down when they're answered. And I've noticed that when the prayer request was more specific, when I went back and wrote down the way it was answered, it was that much more powerful and faith giving to me because I could see the way God had specifically answered that prayer. Because when you pray specifically, you get an answer not only to your prayer, you actually get to experience the attentiveness and the love of the God of the universe. Confronted with the question, God, I, do you really care that much about the smallest details of my life. I think a lot of times we're actually reluctant to pray specifically. And there's a lot of reasons, but I think one of them is because of our concerns about unanswered prayer. We're not sure what to do, I think a lot of times with the unanswered prayers in our life. If after all I pray specifically for something and then it doesn't happen, I have to wrestle with the question of why. I have to wrestle with the question of, what will other people think if I've prayed that out loud, for example, in front of others? Or I have to maybe deal with the specific possibility in this instance that God is saying no to what I'm asking for. But Jesus tells us to pray specifically. He says, pray each day for your daily bread. The truth is that God doesn't need me to cover the basis for him. He, he doesn't need me to worry about his reputation in my prayer life. Jesus says, pray specifically, ask for what you need. 
And it doesn't mean you'll always get it, but Jesus says that we should ask for it. And while praying specifically, asking for our daily bread is a simple act, I do think it means we have to acknowledge a complex reality. We have to ask, what does it actually mean for God to feed me? What does it actually mean for God to provide for me and to care for me as his child? The Bible teaches that God cares for all of us, our whole person, not just part of us, our body, our mind, our spirit, our soul. He's not just concerned with our physical or our temporal self. He created you as, as a whole person and so he cares for your whole person. So I don't know about lockdown in your house, but in our house, there's been a huge uptick in uh, the snack kind of intake. We have been eating snacks, it seems like all day, every day. Um, and so our kids in particular, they, they just, they, they love to eat right now. We have elementary school kids and they love snacks. So they just keep coming and asking for a snack. And, and as good parents, Langley and I have to say, no, sometimes, no, you can't have a snack. Uh, right now. And they may feel like they're starving, like they have to have the snack, but we say no. And we don't say no to be cruel or just because we're concerned about our kids' calorie intake. Part of the reason we say no is because we're raising our kids so they won't be kids forever, right? We want them to grow into men and women and teach them how to be men and women with good habits, men and women with self-control and and patience. And so the reason that we say no is because we have a bigger perspective on their life, on their whole life, things that they can't even comprehend right now that are shaping them. And so there's things that we don't give them Um, that we don't provide for them in any given moment of their life right now. And I think when it comes to our relationship with our heavenly father who loves us, but also has an eternal perspective, what I'm saying is we have to trust him. When we come to him and we ask for things, and even especially when he says no or doesn't give us what we want, we have to learn to trust that he's a good father. But I think it's so important to realize that doesn't mean we ever stop asking. Jesus is so clear about that. He wants us to come to God and to ask and then to trust, no matter what happens after that, that our Father loves us. So God loves our small prayers. He loves our specific prayers. And then I would say Jesus is teaching us that God loves our hungry prayers. Um, Jesus says, pray, give us each day our daily bread. And he's talking about cultivating within us a hunger, not just for physical bread, but for a different kind of bread, a spiritual bread. In John 6, Jesus performs one of the most famous miracles, uh, the feeding of thousands of people with only two fish and five loaves of bread. And we're told that the next day, that crowd that was there that he fed actually came back to him. And Jesus says to them, he says, truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. A few verses later, Jesus makes it really clear what he means. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and died This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. And when he said, this is the bread, he was pointing to himself. Jesus is the bread, the living bread, he says, that comes down from heaven. 
So what is Jesus talking about here? This is something that the Bible actually does a lot. And it will help us as we read the Bible to understand what God's doing in the big picture of the story of scripture. What Jesus is doing here is he's connecting in this moment of scripture with another point in the story. Tim Mackey um, says that reading the Bible in this way is a lot like watching a play take place in front of you with a giant movie screen playing right behind it so that you can see how the story that's taking place now relates to the story that happened before. And so you can see how everything kind of connects. I think it's a helpful image because that's what Jesus is doing here. Even as he feeds 5,000, even as he's teaching us to pray for our daily bread, what's happening is the story of the Exodus is playing behind it. Now, the Exodus story is the story of when God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And he provided them in the wilderness by feeding them with something called manna. Uh, Manna was basically a special bread that God gave them each day. It only lasted for a day and it required that they trust him each day, one day at a time to feed them. The manna, in other words, was God attending to their physical need, but he was also feeding a spiritual need. Deuteronomy 8.3 tells us, God humbled you and let you hunger and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, God was forming them into a people of joyful dependence and contentment with not only what he gave them, but with God himself. He was teaching them that happiness isn't about getting what we want when we want it. It's, it's about this dependence on God and his gracious provision. And I think in our prayer lives, God wants to do something similar. God wants us to learn that even though we may ask for a physical need to be met, he may be responding to a greater spiritual need. He may be doing something in us, feeding us, and a deeper hunger, something what we're not even totally aware of. Sometimes that means that we have to go through a season of, of hunger or of suffering. It can be difficult to enter into these seasons where God's not answering the prayer that we are asking, but instead of answering something else. Psalm 85 describes this as being fed by the bread of tears. Sometimes what God feeds us doesn't actually taste good in the moment. We may not understand it or want it, but we have to choose to trust that God is doing this for our good. That like Jesus in the garden before his death, we can choose to say, not my will in this moment, but yours, Lord. I think it begs the question, how can we pray then in those moments? How do we pray and receive the bread of tears? How do we pray in our loss and in our suffering and and deal with unanswered prayers? I think we have to remember Ultimately, that God's main goal is to feed us the one thing that we cannot live without, himself. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. But this bread, Jesus himself, has come from heaven so that whoever eats from it will never die. In Jesus, God feeds us. He feeds us what we deeply and truly need in this life. He satisfies our truest, deepest hunger. 
It's why when we pray um, right before we come to this table, we pray the Lord's prayer. We pray these words, give us each day our daily bread. In that moment, when we come to the table, our physical and our spiritual needs are ultimately met in the bread of life himself in Jesus. And so we hear Jesus' invitation to pray these words, give us each day our daily bread. We hear his invitation to pray simple prayers, his invitation to pray specific prayers and his invitation to come with our hunger, our deepest hunger, not just for physical bread, but for the bread of life, for Jesus himself. Jesus says, when you pray, pray our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this prayer of give us each day our daily bread. Or would you teach us to come to you even with the smallest things? Teach us to pray specifically and teach us to come to you with our deep hunger, not just for our daily bread, but for the very bread of life for Jesus himself. And pray this in his name, amen.